What you doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system. In the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is the registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealers. See dealer for details. Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I hope that our listeners had tuned in to the last program where I went over a case of wrongful conviction, the case of Derek Williams. And I promised my listeners that we would meet Derek, and he is with us today. Um, So I welcome you, Derek, to the program, and I thank you for giving our listeners a chance to hear your story. You and I have done three what I would call public programs together, which took place here in Sarasota. We did one at a retirement residence very soon after you got out of prison. Then we did a panel discussion at the University of South Florida, where we had 125 people in the audience. And then we did a program, just the two of us, at one of the libraries here in town, where you also shared your story of wrongful conviction. And it's really, really great to have you with us today. Thank you for your time, Derek. I appreciate it. And I thank you all for having me on You're the show welcome. today. Okay. Um, my name is Derek Williams, right. and um, I'm an exoneree of the Innocence Project in Florida. Yes, and you I are. I share my story with Harriet. So if you have any questions, please. Okay. Yes, I do. I sure do. So what I did in um, our last podcast was I drew a picture for our listeners of your case from the very beginning to the very, very end. So that's the good part. They're familiar, if they've listened to that program, with what happened to you. So I thought I'd begin with a question um, that asks you, how how you did your time in prison, uh, we call it doing time, um, and that really means how did you use your time or spend your time knowing full well that it was time that you should not have been doing, but there was nothing you could do about it then. So how did, how did you do your time, Derek, in prison? Um, I did my time... When I first went in there, I knew that a change had to come. And the only change that came was through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I went through this Horizon program and spent time there and into the Word of God. And also there's this uh, rehabilitation center that's called Pride Facility, Pride industries in there and I got in there and I went to work for pride and I became an ASC certified painter and it was oh what I could do you I mean once there's nothing else you could do but get with the program all right well that's good that you had one thing I I did do I may, I got uh, certified and I made something of myself. I got my GED in there and Wonderful. I just stayed strong. 
And when the Innocence Project in 2006 stepped in, I knew there was hope coming. But that was a long time, right, that you didn't have the Innocence Project, you know, giving you some hope. So what you're saying is in between the beginning of your incarceration and the Innocence Project of Florida stepping in, you did your time as best you could do. So you got your GED. Right. Go ahead. I buried myself in education. Very good. That that's very commendable. I, I think that that's probably maybe the best way to do your time is uh, to get uh, an education, especially if you didn't have your GED. Or even there are so many uh, people that are now going past the GED and taking college classes, and that's a, a great way to really use your time. So I also wanted to ask you, what kind of family support or friends, the support of friends, what what kind of support did you have when you uh, went to prison? My family support from my mother-in-law, Miss Jeanette and Woodrow Edwards, to my mom and dad, Willie James, to all my brothers and sisters and my nieces and nephews, everybody was supported me through all of that because of the fact that everybody knew where I was. It was under, I don't know how I got caught off into this, but my whole family stuck with me through the whole thick and thin. That's wonderful. They sent money. They they did package permits. They did everything. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, You have packages, visits, telephone calls, all of that is vital, is it not, Derek? It, it's yes, everything. Yes, it is vital. You know, one thing is vital is that if you just get a a court from somebody, it don't have to be money. It can just say, I love you, thinking <laughs> about you. Right, right. That's great. Who, who was um, at home um, during your incarceration? Uh, in other words, what family members were in your immediate family when you left for for prison? I was with my mom and dad. Oh, oh, okay. You were with your mom and dad. Oh, I don't think I realized that. And, um, but you also, you also had a son, right? Yes. And how old was he at the time? He was 11 when I went in. You were, he was 11. Okay, so then... You do the math and you add 18 to that and realize so much time went by. He was just a small child. And 18 years later, he was a grown adult. A lot of years went by. Did you get a chance to see much of him? Was he allowed to come to visit you at the prison? Uh, No, we just kept in contact through um, his mom, Yvonne. And I pictures see. and on the telephones because I didn't want nobody to see me in that. I didn't want him in there. With yes, see me like course. that. Understood. Earlier but in the, I can tell you that. Yeah. When when I came home, he was 27 years old. That's right. That's right. And he the one picked me up. He I rode home with him from prison. Oh, did you? And it was, uh, no October. I mean, uh, April. Right. 4th. That I left the penitentiary 
and April 5th was his birthday. Oh, what a great birthday gift. That's fantastic. All right. Well, you, you talked about um, visits and um, what I wanted to talk about, and I think I'm going to talk a little bit more about it with your niece, who's going to be my next guest for the next uh, next podcast, um, in terms of what what kind of impact does prison have on everyone in the family, but particularly the children? Can you can you it, speak to that, Derek? What what impact yes, it has? It, yes. And I would be glad to. It tears the family apart. Because when you go home so long and you knew how your family was before, the cookouts and everything, and you come back and it's normal, everybody grown, yeah. there's new kids, grandkids, you don't even know nobody no more. That's right. Yeah. Just the older ones. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I wish it, it, I mean, it takes a toll on a person. Sure, it does. When you I, go for all the years for something you didn't do, and then you come home and you got nieces and nephews that you meet that you've only seen on pictures coming up, and you don't know who is who, you call it. You call them all. If you don't know the names because you're not used to them. Sure. nobody but me and name and penitentiary. All these new names that they have out here. We can't identify with that. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm still stuck because it ruined my life. Yeah, of course. It, it has to. And I was saying before that when you are sentenced, the family is really sentenced as well. It's it's a it's yeah. a double a double edged uh, sword. Yeah, it's not just you that goes to prison. The impact is very very great. And also very long uh, in terms of time, even after uh, you're out of prison, um, and we'll we'll talk about that in, in just a few. Um, so, in terms of visits, often in in prisons across the country, they move people from place to place. Were you moved from one prison to another, or did you remain at one facility the whole time? Um, I was fortunate that I was at, like I had mentioned before, Yes. that I was at this prior facility in Daytona Beach, and I was the technician, I was the head guy, and I was, we was ASC certified, and I taught these guys, and we painted fire trucks for the state, we did state, city, county work, so they left us there to benefit all these other, the counties and states. I see. The only time I got moved from Daytona was when an inmate had killed the officer and at Pride. So they said all us long timers with sex offenses had to go. Oh, and where did you go? I went to Hardy. Hardy. Right. Okay. And and um how so how long uh period of time were you at uh, the Daytona facility. How many years? Um, Daytona. I went in there. I went. Over, I got there in 1994, and I left in uh, 10, 2010, Ooh. and went to Hardy. And by that time, I had already took my DNA test and all of that stuff. And I, I was see. Just waiting. Yeah. 
just waiting. Yeah. But well, when I was only at Hardy for like uh, maybe uh, not even a year, about a oh. year, several months. But when you think about where Daytona is, it's hours from here. So this is another thing that um, the family has to deal with is often um, they put someone very, very far away. So that is a tremendous hardship to visit. It is not yes. easy. It is not easy at all. Yeah. So that that's another um, very difficult challenge for, uh, for fa a family. Um, now, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, how did your sister-in-law, who contacted uh, the Innocence Project of Florida, how did she learn about the project? Um, it's like to this family love that I had, and she is very, she is my sister-in-law, and, and she's family, and she's very religious, Brenda Williams. Mm -hmm. And Brenda was, from the day I went in, she was seeking help. She just kept calling all organizations, all kinds of organizations. Because she said, I know my brother ain't do that. My brother-in-law ain't do that. She said, who can help? And then people came up, some lawyers came up with money and stuff. So she finally got hold to the Innocence Project. Hmm. And what, so she wrote to them and then... What was the next step after she wrote to them? Uh, when did you hear uh, they, from them? They called, they got hold to me. I got a letter from the Innocence Project saying, um, we've been in contact with your sister-in-law, Brenda Williams, about your case. And we looked into it, and it's very interesting. Hmm. They said, can you do a survey? It's, I said, yes. I answered, and I sent the, I sent the bike through mail, and I got a, a survey from them about a week and a half later. I thought maybe two weeks after the transfer of mail, and they told me, hey, we want to meet with you. We want to take your case. I see. And at that point, you were in Daytona or Hardy? I was at Daytona. You were at Daytona. This was at in 2006 when they took the case. I see. Now, when you say a survey, uh, what I do know uh, that they do is they send out a what you could call it a survey or a questionnaire. It's a 17 page packet with with a lot of questions and things that they want uh, because they can't take a case until they have as much information as possible. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of work for someone like you to do. Did you have any help filling all that uh, paperwork out, or did you do it by yourself? Um, no, it was it was elementary. Oh, <laughs> it was okay. elementary. Okay. Do, right. You know, and they asked me specific questions mm -hmm. about did you do this crime and all of this stuff. Right. Well, they you they know, get. I, mean, I can tell you this here before. We took the DNA. The Innocence Project is very thorough. They said, if you did this crime, don't take this DNA because it's going to mm. prove you did it or you didn't. That's correct. Yeah. And then they said, it was like, okay, that's a rule. If you, if you did it, don't take it because you, you like admitting that you did it. 
But you're also wasting their time, right? If you were guilty and right, yeah. and you put them yeah. through all and, that. And maybe you could get out on another technicality or something. Mm-hmm. But right. when you do it DNA, it's, it, it, that's done dollar. It, it either is or it isn't, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so after you filled out all the initial paperwork so that they could look deeper into your case, what what happened after that? Did somebody from the Innocence Project come to see you at uh, the prison in Daytona? Uh, uh, we started litigating, started litigating, and um, Mr. Oh, the Mr. I didn't get, I got in contact with the lawyers, and they came, and they started talking with me, Melissa Montel. Mm-hmm. Right. I see. All and right. Seth Miller. Yeah. Though now she was a lawyer with the project. She's no longer with the Innocence Project of Florida. Uh, we have another. A woman uh, who was replaced or another female lawyer but Seth Miller is the director and the other lawyer in the project we only have the two lawyers working on 36 cases at the same time and what what is very interesting Derek is that the um, amount of letters that the project gets in in a year's time they get more than a thousand letters for help in one year's time so how fortunate you were that something about your case caught their eye and they said, we'll take it. Do you have any idea what it was about your particular case other than you, like everyone else said, well, I didn't do this. Well, there are a lot of people out there that say that, but what, what was it that they said, well, we're going to take your case. We think we can help you. Do, Do you have any idea what that was? Uh, yes, because they took my word. Okay. I was innocent. And they found evidence that they could test. Right. To back it up. And they and they stood by me and they said, let's test it. They found evidence that was hid. That was hidden. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yes. They um, found evidence that was destroyed. That could have further exonerated me. That's right. Now, I, in in the program before this one, I went over your case very, very carefully in detail, explaining exactly what happened with that evidence and how across the country um, there are different regulations as to how to keep evidence so that it's preserved, and also how long to keep evidence. Some states throw it out after not very much time. And in your case, as my listeners know, it was not preserved properly. It had gotten moldy and lots of it was tossed out. So there was a minimum of evidence that was helpful to your case. You were very fortunate that there was something still there since they threw out so much. Um, So your experiences with the Innocence Project of Florida, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that was like in terms of how how they kind of walked with you through through, uh, the time, even before you were exonerated and then during the time where they were trying to get you uh, get your case overturned. What were your experiences like with the people at the Innocence Project of Florida? The, the Innocence Project was behind me 100%. They, 
and they was lovable, kind. I mean, there was words can't even explain. But <clears> one <throat> thing they did tell me, yeah, is that we can't promise nothing. Mm. Wow, that's that. And how how did you feel about that? Here they were right behind you, but at the same time saying, well, we we can't give you a 100% guarantee that we can overturn your case. H how did you feel about that? Well, that? it wasn't them. It was that they was telling me about the judicial system, what right. it can do. That's right. Kill your sentence and hold you in longer and all of this stuff. Right. That's well, what they was preparing me for. Sure, understood. And at the end, it did happen. That's right. You were very, very fortunate. Now, um, my, I was the first exoneree that, that the state of Florida appealed. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. Now, what I wanted, we're, we have only a, a, about five minutes left uh, to chat with each other, but I wanted you to tell our listeners what has it been like for you since you got out and i wanted you to tell the uh, people about the uh, the great job that you have and that you've been so fortunate to have a job which not every exoneree is able to get so what are you doing these days uh with your your work okay i'm gonna um i'm gonna start by saying this right here every exoneree and i, I must say this don't get compensated. That's right. Because even though you were wrongfully convicted, they have this clean, clean air, this clean bill. That a clean hands. Power, That's right. Clean hand bill. Okay. That's right. But I, you know, I was mad at the time because I knew I was doing unjustly. And why can't these people not take care of my, me and my family for all the years that they did me? All the money that the people in my family put in there to help me out and all of this stuff. But guess what? I came out and made something of myself. That's I, right. I, you I did. put that bitterness, I put the bitterness beside me. Good for you. And said, I gotta go. And it's been going on nine years now. And I ain't hit another lick at this state. And I'm doing good. I had a great job. And what and do you do? The, Tell us what you do, Derek, and what's your job? I'm a, I'm a, I work for Honeycomb Company of America. I'm a transport driver. I run Pensacola once or twice a week, and I do all my all our deliveries from Home Depot to to Lowe's hmm. to Manatee Lumber, and etc. What kind of a company is uh, the company you work for, Honeycomb? What Honeycomb they... Company of America is an air defense that we do. Uh, Aerospace for the Defense Ministry. I see. I see. So you deliver whatever they manufacture. Is that what you do? Uh, from interplant interstate, but we transport. We do military parts. Oh, for the military. Mm -hmm. And and you go from Bradenton all the way to Pensacola and back. How how big a trip is that for you? Uh, it's a two-day trip because you're on the DOT regulation where you have to stay over 10 hours, and I get a motel, and I drive back the next day. 
That's a long, long trip. And the training, I wanted to mention that, the training to be a truck driver, that was a costly training, and the Innocence Project of Florida paid for that so you could become this truck driver, right? Yes. Yeah, that's great. So the the project, I guess what what's important to say is that even before you left prison, they began to support you in in helping to do the very best they could to get you out. But once you left prison, they didn't drop the ball, right? <laughs> they were they were right there. Um, and no, I want to I want to sound on that. No, they haven't. And even though it's been nine years now, mm-hmm. I still need help. The Innocence Project of Florida still help me right now with gift cards when I come short. That's fabulous. And that's why I want to thank all the people that donate and help us because you're helping a great cause. That's right. That's right. It goes to people like you who are still getting on your feet, right? One of our guests that, that is coming up, um, your niece is going to be talking to me uh, uh, about, you know, the impact on your family. And then we have um, Anthony Scott, who is our full-time social worker, and he'll talk about how he supports people like you um, who need need the help, uh, not just for a little while, but for you know the uh, the long haul. And I think that is wonderful about this project that you're you're all family. We are all family, and that uh, there's always support there if you need it. So. Well, I think it was great that we had time today, Derek, to uh, to share your story. Uh, I think you've come full circle. You're a hardworking person. You you know you have a, a full time job, and uh, you're on your feet. Even though 18 years of your life was stolen from you, you have found a way to come back, and I, I think that's that's great. Really, really great. And in terms of we we have just a tiny little bit of time left, but in terms of your family, do you feel that most of the uh, experience that you had has kind of faded and that things are in balance again in your family? What would you say? Yes, they are in balance. Yeah, they ba- yes, they are balanced. Okay, that's great. Okay, good. Good to hear. Very good to hear. Well, thank you, know, you again. Because, uh, even if uh, the Innocence Project not only care about me, they they always they care about my family too. If there's anybody that's uh, in, 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 that's need counseling, let us know. And especially my wife, if do we need to go to counseling together? I mean, Innocence Project is a great thing. That's great. Well, we are out of time, but thank you again, Derek, for spending part of the afternoon with us. And uh, I hope, uh, I hope, I wish you well. You, you know that. All right. Thank okay, you again. Harry, like, thank you. Okay. And what I always promised you, whatever I can do to help, you can count on me as long as I got breath in my body. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you, people who are listening today to Pursuing Justice. I hope you enjoyed meeting Derek Williams today and listening to his story. Um, do write us at pursuing.justice5 at gmail.com if you have any thoughts and hope to see you next time. Thank you.